Hello and welcome. I'm Dr. Adam Dorsey, a psychologist in Silicon Valley, and I am the host of Super Psyched, a podcast dedicated to supercharging your life. Each episode contains fun, high-quality interviews with experts looking at psychology from all angles. Super Psyched is your tool to get more of what you want in your life and less of what you don't. A few weekends ago, I saw a documentary on the Bee Gees called How Can You Mend a Broken Heart? And it was fantastic. It explored the Bee Gees' mega rise as well as some of the tragedies and pains that they experienced throughout their career. And while watching it, I was taking so much delight in each of the three brothers, Morris, Robin, and Barry, and who they were individually, how they kind of came together with these perfect harmonies and catchy rhythms and songs that you just can't get out of your head, which was a good thing for me because I I found the music extremely pleasurable. And there was one part of the documentary that caused me profound sadness and pause and even shame and guilt. And you'll understand in a minute. They explored their fall, so to speak, after what was called the disco demolition. And I remember the repercussions of the disco demolition before I described when I was in fifth grade, disco was all the rage. And then when I returned to school in sixth grade, one of the most popular kids was wearing a disco is dead, rock is rolling shirt. And she made a huge pronouncement because she got in the memo that disco (laughs) sucked, according to her. And because she had so much social capital, I acquiesced. But what had transpired over the summer was something called the disco demolition. And that was something that was created by a shock jock in Chicago who at White Sox Stadium, Comiskey Park, He had what was called a disco demolition in which anyone who showed up with a disco album to be exploded between the two games of the doubleheader could get in for 98 cents. Well, 60,000 people showed with tons, I mean, thousands, tens of thousands of records to be exploded. And lo and behold, between the two games, there was a massive explosion of these records. And before I even go into the sociological aftermath. On a grander scale, I'm just going to talk about it, how it pertained to me. I remember going through a thought process at not even 12, I must have been 11 at the time of, I really like this music. And yet I've been told by somebody who's far more popular than I am, that this is not acceptable music and I want to be liked. So I must quash this idea that disco is good and I must hide it from the world. In fact, even hide it from myself. I must buy in fully. And so I did. I didn't listen to disco music for years. And this was reflected in my surroundings. I actually put out a a little feeler on Facebook to just ask my contemporaries, what has been your relationship with the Bee Gees? And one of my classmates from high school reminded me that on the stop signs in our area, people used to graffiti the word disco onto stop signs. So it would say stop disco. (laughs) Really funny. So it was an attempt to, and by the way, when I said really funny, I did not really mean really funny. I mean, it had permeated our consciousness so much that we were activists against this form of music that brought joy and pleasure to so many. And the particularly nefarious part of this 
that was explored on the documentary was that this explosion, this violence that was so easy to participate in and so easy to ignite sociologically on a grand scale and get people really riled up was similar to what had transpired in Nazi Germany with book burnings. It's very hard to create a disco album. It takes years of musicianship and creativity and recording acumen. A whole host of things go into recording this album that takes seconds to explode. What if you just didn't like disco and you just didn't like disco and didn't need to make a big scene about it? I don't know that disco was harming people. I really don't know of a single lyric that expressed anything hateful And yet the vitriol and hate against it was so intense. Perhaps people took issue with some of the dorkiness of Disco Duck. Okay, I get that. But this level of backlash seemed disproportionate. So I felt profound sadness and shame and guilt when I was watching this. Because as an 11-year-old, I was rather passively and unwittingly participating in this phenomenon. And what made me even sicker still was I loved the music. I absolutely loved it, but I filed it away. I quashed it. And only after I got into college was I willing to listen to it in the car with the windows rolled up and maybe just uh, confess as a, you know, a guilty pleasure that I liked disco music or the Bee Gees themselves. Until finally they made a resurgence, but by then it was me just conforming again. So fast forward to after seeing the movie and just me holding a host of feelings, so much sadness, wanting to write an apology note practically to the Bee Gees as if that would do anything, especially since two of them are no longer sadly with us. And I don't think that Barry, who's the lone living member, would care all too much that this particular person out in California had these feelings about his music. And I was playing it for my 16-year-old son, who is just one of the coolest human beings I've ever met. I would think he was cool even if he weren't my son, but he has incredible music taste. He knows music from every era, from every genre. And he loves the Bee Gees. He's just like, yeah, these guys are amazing. And he also said something that gave me hope. And he said, Listeners in my generation are more fluid in their musical tastes. They don't need to hate on a particular kind of music to love another. And it felt as though we had to establish sides back in the 80s. You were either a rocker, a new waver, or something else, which was maybe even undefined. But generally, it was you were either a rocker, a new waver, maybe a punk. Maybe into, oh yeah, of course, what am I thinking about? Surfer, perhaps you were into reggae and ska, but you really had to call your style and commit to it. And generally speaking, at least at my high school, you didn't really go outside your stated lane. And that was really limiting. It gives me hope when I see that people are willing to love in a far more fluid way the world of music, because there's so much to love here. And there's so many great ways that it can add to our lives. So this was just my little piece. I also wanted to throw out one psychological term, and that is called a reaction formation. A reaction formation is when you say something that is 
180 degrees from the truth because you want to be accepted. It would be like somebody living in a very homophobic community who had homosexual feelings themselves saying that they hate gays or somebody saying that they hated art when they really loved it because art felt too somehow soft or feminine. And we see this when we see politicians or people in the pulpit giving a speech against something and engaging in that exact thing. So that's called reaction formation. And that was something I was doing with disco music and my relationship with it. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm out. I love disco and I love the Bee Gees. Let's consider this a long apology note and a love letter to the Bee Gees. Thanks for listening. This is Dr. Adam Dorsey thanking you for listening to Super Psyched. If you know anyone who might like it or who might benefit from listening, share it. And if you like the episode, please hit subscribe. 